Welcome, welcome, my friends, to Thursday Thyroid Talks, hosted by yours truly, Coach Shiva Joy. I am a certified transformational nutrition coach, and it's my life's purpose to coach women in my programs who are struggling with a thyroid condition to help them recover their health and feel freaking amazing again. I know this is possible for every one of you because I battled hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's for a decade, and I was able to reverse 25 plus symptoms myself, as well as undiagnose and unidentify myself with those medical labels. I say this to provide you with hope because I truly believe that we have a medical crisis on our hands with how many women are being diagnosed daily with a thyroid condition or having a onset of unexplainable symptoms And sadly, you guys, most medical systems only offer lifelong medication options and other invasive or intrusive life-altering procedures that never truly help. As a holistic root cause coach, it is my intention to use this platform to empower and educate women against the mainstream ideals of what thyroid disease is and help combat feelings of confusion, isolation, and loneliness plus provide the truth behind why you're sick and suffering, and more importantly, what you can do to help yourself. Now, before we dive in, I'd like to let you know about a new awesome program that I am offering to everyone inside of the United States and Canada. What I'm talking about is called My Gut Thyroid Restoration Program. Inside this program, you get a state-of-the-art gut test kit by Microbiome Labs called Biome FX. What makes Biome FX unique is not only do they use the most advanced and accurate sequencing technology, but it also explores some of the many inner functions of the gut microbiome. This test will explore a variety of 25 pathogens that could be lingering in your gut, whether you have a candida overgrowth, mold exposure, as well as the keystone species that are crucial to your overall health and the metabolic functions that rely on the gut microbiome. This Biome FX stool test provides you with next level answers as to why you're experiencing certain symptoms and what you can do to fix them. How cool is that? Microbiome Labs are so state-of-the-art and amazing, they even provide a detailed results interpretation via Zoom with a gut specialist that will recommend a tailored-to-you supplement protocol. You also get a follow-up 90-minute coaching call with me, and I will provide you with a detailed email of what the specialist recommended you do in order to repair your gut with links dosages, and instructions on exactly how to move forward restoring your microbiome so you can wake up every day feeling amazing. Seriously, you guys, if there was one thing you did this year to move your health forward, let this be it. You can find payment options, video instructions, and more details on my website, coachsarahjoy.com forward slash gut test. And I will also link out this information in the show notes for you below. Now, without further ado, let's dive into our episode number 20 with the amazing Whitney at Morgan Nutrition. 
Hello, my friends, and welcome to a new episode of Thursday Thyroid Talks. I am so excited to do this episode because, well, first of all, I haven't done one in a minute and I miss them. I absolutely love talking to other coaches and informing and educating you guys on all things thyroid related because it's a tough battle to be going through. So today I have an amazing guest speaker that I can't wait to bring on, Miss Whitney. And just give me one second while we find her here on Instagram Live. Oh, playing with the filters. Here she is. Ah, oh my gosh, I'm trying to turn them off. <laughs> Hi, all right. Let's get your, got your request. Yep. It says, hang on. <laughs> there she is. Hello. hello. All right. Hi, how's it going? Good. I'm sorry about the delay. I was just, that meditation, it was just so powerful. There was about 60 women of us on and it was just so juicy and good. Not a problem. Not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome. How's your day yeah, going? It's going great. Good. Yeah, Getting close to the weekend, you know, that's always nice. I know, right? You got any fun plans this weekend? Well, <laughs> our car recently got stolen and then retrieved. So we have a lot of, uh, you know, just like logistical things to take care of this weekend. But other than that, I'm going to relax. Wow. So. Well, I'm anyway. sorry for the stealing part, but yay on the retrieval part. Right? I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, good, good. Um, well, shall we dive in? Absolutely, yeah. Awesome. Well, why don't we start with your introduction? Um, we've actually never met, so I am honored to meet you, and I can't wait to learn your story. So um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your basics of, like, where you're at, who you are, and then if you wouldn't mind starting at, like, the beginning of your thyroid journey and what put you, what did you go through and put you on the path to become a coach? Sure. Well, first, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. And um, I am a functional nutrition health coach. I'm also an acupuncturist. Um, I started my journey back in 1997, really. Uh, that's when I was diagnosed with my first autoimmune disease. And then between 97 and 2010, I collected three additional autoimmune diseases, one of them being Hashimoto's. So I'm what you call an autoimmune collector, and um, that's pretty common among women. Uh, I see that in my clients a lot. But at the time that I was going through all of this, there wasn't really any kind of like functional med medical paradigm at that point. Um, and I come from a very traditional medical family, so I was kind of programmed already to, to go to specialist after specialist after specialist, and medicine had the answer. But, you know, it just didn't work out that way. I mean, when it comes to autoimmune disease and chronic disease, most of it boils down to symptom management. Um, and I reached a point where a doctor actually said to me, hey, you know, this isn't going to kill you, but you'll die with it. It's going to get worse. We can try and control the pain, but there's nothing else that can be done. You should join a support group. And 
that what he was talking about my oh, that was my second autoimmune diagnosis which was interstitial cystitis very very painful bladder um, autoimmune disease 24/7 pain and in that moment what i heard him telling me was that i could expect a lifetime of pain and misery and i'm not sure really what happened but in that moment everything in my body just rejected it said no that's not the vision i'm going to invest in there has to be another way i'm not going to believe what you just said <laughs> and that so i left that divinity yeah yeah absolutely mm -hmm. divine intervention um and i left the office i didn't know what i was going to do but i knew i needed to do something different and that's when i started jumping down different rabbit holes um naturopathic physicians chinese medicine homeopathy um a lot of nutritional therapy herbal therapy you name it i was i was trying everything and i did get a lot of relief from acupuncture and chinese medicine and i fell in love with the medicine and so i decided i wanted to go to acupuncture school i did that and when i graduated i found functional diagnostic nutrition certification and i wanted to do that too because to me it felt like a really good balance um both types of medicine functional medicine and chinese medicine they are both functional they're root cause mm -hmm. so one is very ancient with thousands of years of efficacy and the other is kind of new on the scene you know um mm -hmm. and but they they balance each other really well so um so yeah that's that's what i ended up doing up ending my life and changing my career and and changing my entire trajectory and applying everything that i was learning to my own health um and spoiler alert i don't have interstitial cystitis anymore it's not in my body right mm -hmm. um hashimoto's is in remission uh i was also diagnosed with celiac disease that is in remission my gut lining is healthy and vital again so um so i now have reached this place where i'm super grateful for the journey even though man that was a long decade plus journey and it was lonely at times mm -hmm. um and so now my mission is hey you know what i want to help other women heal and not have to up in their life to do that right not have to jump down rabbit hole after rabbit hole to have someone who's been where they are and has walked that journey knows the way to the other side and can help them get through any obstacles that they encounter along the way. Wow, yeah, you are speaking to my soul right now because I feel you so powerfully on that 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 passion right there, but I was thinking at the beginning I'm like 1997. <laughs> I'm like I was in 10th grade mm -hmm. and the internet had just sort of hit the scene um so yeah we didn't really have the dr google and all the amazing mm -hmm. resources back then that um that you know everyone turns to that we take for granted almost nowadays because when i was diagnosed in 2009 you know a lot of that already existed but it really felt like there was still a very limited amount of information. So 1997, you really were like a pioneer forging your own way, you know, and that must have been very lonely. I could only imagine how lonely that must have felt. I felt lonely <laughs> in like 2000 and 
you know, 10 and an 11. So yeah, wow. Um, that is, that is truly inspiring, inspiring that you, you kept fighting through that. And I love, I love that turning point shift you said where the doctor was speaking such unhappy, you know, not the way you saw your life going things and you just, uh, no, mm -mm, that is not for me. Absolutely not. Like not everyone has that voice inside them that speaks back so powerfully. So that really, to me shows that, you know, number one, you're extremely powerful and courageous. And number two, that's probably was your journey before you may have even realized it, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, you know, I, I don't mean to like come across as dissing my doctor who said that because, you know, when you think about it, that was his truth based on his experience and, and, um, watching his patients with the same disease and the progression and, and he was at the top of his game. I mean, he was the head of urology at a, at a teaching college and, you know, very skilled. So he was just speaking the truth from a particular perspective. Yeah. Um, so no, I, didn't, I didn't feel like it was a diss at all. It yeah. was, I, I, I know that, you know, doctors tell us the way they feel because that is yeah. truly how they feel based on their experiences but that doesn't mean we have to accept it right right and And i when i think back to it i think god if he had sugar-coated anything i might not have had that epiphany moment Mm -hmm. right so very grateful for him just like shooting from the hip and telling me the hard cold truth as he saw it yeah wow wow gave me chills so (laughs) so you had your complete pivot you're 180. Yep. And I feel like for me as well, I had a similar pivot, not, you know, not similar in the exact situation, but it was like, there was some, a switch that flipped. And it was like, once that switch flipped, there was no going back. And it was just this full fledged forward, empowered, a personal empowerment away from the system that didn't seem to be helping. And, um, so yeah, so you went through a lot of training you just dove into and you found out that Chinese medicine and acupuncture is, is one of your top favorites and then becoming a functional, a functional practice practitioner. Yeah. I remember too, when the alternative and the functional started becoming like a thing, like you didn't, you know, you're like, what is that? You know? And then I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, so it's a doctor that gives you supplements. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was like my basic understanding back in the day. And I'm like, well, that's cool that they bring both worlds together, you know, because mm-hmm. we need supplements, but it's so much deeper than that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, so let's, um, I have a couple questions for you. Right. Um, and so the first one that I thought would be fun for us to talk about is, um, the quick and easy way to make sense of your test results. So I've never heard it put quite quick and easy. And a lot of my, a lot of the women on my Instagram, they will actually say to me, 
I got my labs back. I don't understand my labs, you know, and I remember feeling that disconnect when I first started getting my labs back too, especially if it's like a full CBC, because you know, it's like 15 pages long and you're right. going, whoa, <laughs> what is all right. this? And I would just literally sit down at the table with like a ruler and go line by line and like look everything up. And I had to educate myself on that, which was so empowering. So how do you um, empower women for quick and easy lab reading or results? Yeah, what I focus on are thyroid labs. Mm -hmm. So yes, it, it, it is actually not too difficult to get good at quick and efficient interpretation of your own thyroid lab results. As long as you have uh, some basic understanding of the fundamentals and you're able to recognize what really is a comprehensive lab report and what isn't. You know, what are you missing? You know, what are the missing pieces and what are the blind spots? Um, and then what are those markers actually telling you? So there's a few things you need to remember. Number one is that when, when someone goes into their doctor typically and says, hey, you know, I've got this laundry list of symptoms. I Googled everything. I think I have a thyroid issue. Can we check my thyroid? Doc says, sure. They do that. And then nine times out of 10, they say your thyroid's fine. Mm -hmm. Often what's going on is that they're only looking at one thyroid marker. And what they look at primarily is the signal from the pituitary gland to the thyroid gland and to see how strong is that signal. And if that signal is quote unquote normal, then they conclude that, hey, everything's right with your thyroid. So your symptoms are related to something else, usually age or stress or some other sort of explanation. But that's not a thyroid hormone. That's, that's a pituitary hormone. It's a, like a pro-hormone. It's just, it's just the pituitary gland communicating to your thyroid. So when a doctor says everything's normal, the first thing you need to do is say, well, what did we actually check? And if the only thing on your lab report is TSH, you don't have all the information. In fact, you don't have any information about the actual levels of thyroid hormones circulating in your body and getting into your cells. Okay, so, so let me clarify before you move on. So sure. I want everyone to catch that, okay? So what the TSH is telling you is the feedback, they call it the feedback loop, the negative feedback mm -hmm. loop between your pituitary, which is in your mind, in your brain, yeah. to your thyroid gland. Yep. That's what the TSH exactly. is. Okay. Exactly. It's, mm -hmm. You can think of it like a, um, like a manager, like yelling at the employee, you know, work faster, work faster, or hey, 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 slow down, right? <laughs> it's that kind of a thing. It's giving direction to the thyroid gland. Um, now, sometimes your doc might check your T4 levels plus your TSH. That's a little more information, right? But if all you're seeing is one to three markers on your thyroid lab, you don't have the information that you need. So that's the first thing, you know. Second thing is standard reference ranges that are used in conventional medicine. They're like these big bell curves. And what's considered normal is everything inside the big bell, right? And then what's considered abnormal are the fringes on the end. Well, those bell curves are really designed to identify end-stage disease, pathology, um, things that can be diagnosed and treated, right? They're not designed to reflect optimal, healthy function of your thyroid. 
So the reference ranges that conventional doctors are working with are pretty wide. So you can actually have a lot of hypothyroid symptoms and have subclinical um, low thyroid function, and it still shows up looking normal. So that's the other thing is like, okay, those reference ranges are pretty wide. So we, we really want to adjust the way that we um, interpret your, your measurements based on different reference ranges. If you look at functional reference ranges, they're more narrow because they're designed to reflect what is optimal in a healthy population. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I read this article a few years ago that uh, said that in 2015, I forget the Institute, forgive me for not knowing the name offhand, but it was something like the Institute of Thyroid or something like this, a big Institute came out mm -hmm. and declared TSH reference ranges too wide and said, everyone needs to fix this range. All labs, all doctors, this is a medical update. The ranges are being used too wide. It needs to be mm -hmm. 0.5 to 2.5. Right. No one listened. They still aren't listening. Right. What the heck? So Yeah, well, you know, there's there's also another study, I can't remember the year it came out, but it determined that it can take 17 to 20 years for for the, you know, basically the latest research or like medical directives like you're talking about to trickle down to like individual labs and, you know, your doctor's office and things like that. So if we're already operating from a 15 to 20 year lag time, that's a wow. problem. That's right? a huge problem. Yeah. That's a huge so, problem. Yeah. So this is why we always have to teach. This is why I always teach is, okay, your doctor said it's in range, but how do you feel? How right. do you feel? You know, and right. so the optimal range, like you were saying, so the range right now, just so everyone knows, is point, is, I guess it's 0. 0.4 to 0. 0.5. It's 0. 0.5 to 4.5. Okay, so that big bell curve you were talking about, that's 0. Right. 0. 0.5 to 4.5. For TSA. For TSH, yeah. yeah. For that yeah. feedback loop from your pituitary, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. Which is the main marker that all doctors like to use and, and, and then gaslight you over. It's, it's frustrating. So they say, okay, if you're in this range, you're fine. Mm -hmm. But like you're saying, the optimal range, the functional medicine optimal range, they, they look at it as like 0.5 to 2.5. It's That's even more narrow than that. It's, it's, what? it's more like, it's more like, uh, one to 2.2 or one to 2.5. So it's right. So, That's so good. sometimes you can identify when people are running too low, when, when even the range you're talking about that was updated, um, is still a little too wide on the low end. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, it makes a huge difference yeah. in terms of how you interpret labs. And the other thing that tends to happen is that, um, and I see this in my practice all the time when I, when I get my clients' thyroid labs that they've had run over the years with their doctors. Rarely are people looking at antibody levels. Thank so, you. Let's yeah, talk about that's, that. That's a big deal. Thank um, you. And then also 
but there, it's, it's kind of like a catch-22 because it's really great when you see that a doctor ran TPO and thyroglobulin mm-hmm. antibodies. So I'm like, yay, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if they're normal just one time, if they fall in that standard normal reference range, mm-hmm. the doc will never look at them again. And the problem with that is that antibody levels fluctuate, and up to a third of women may not test with elevated antibodies, even though they have Hashimoto's, right? So what I tell my clients is if you're going to continue to run labs through your doctor, make sure that every time they check your thyroid, they're checking for antibody levels because just because they were normal three months ago doesn't mean they're normal now, mm-hmm. right? So you really need a pattern of antibody history in order yeah. to assess autoimmune issues. So just to be clear, let's, mm-hmm. why don't you give us a list of what a full panel thyroid blood draw looks like? Okay. Well, if you want the bells and whistles, if you want everything, TSH, mm-hmm. total T3, total T4, free T3, free T4, reverse T3, TPO antibodies, thyroglobulin antibodies, and I always add on vitamin D. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> always add that on. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. So um, that is that is the exact full panel that I started, mm-hmm. that I wrote down years ago when I would go to the doctors and say, I would like a full panel. This is what I'm expecting. Yes. And unless you do that, they will forget one or two or five. Mm-hmm. And because they have a different idea of what a full panel is to you. So that yeah, is the and a number couple one of, way to, that is the number one way to empower yourself yes. in the beginning, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Write it down and say, this is what I want. You still might come up against some resistance, particularly when it comes to the reverse T3. It's just not a marker that is cared about in conventional medicine. They, they don't use that. Um, but for some women, it makes a huge difference because your, your T3 levels can look normal even from a functional standpoint. But if your reverse T3 is really high, um, they're competing for the same cell receptors to get into your cells and drive your metabolism. And the way I explain it to clients is it's like imagine you're in your Porsche, right? <laughs> and, you know, nice little sports car. Um, you want to get down the road. You want to ride the gas most of the time. Your gas is your T3. That, that goes into your cells and says, okay, let's keep that metabolism rocking and rolling. Let's go down the road. Reverse T3 is the opposite. It's the brakes in your sports car. It says, hey, slow down, danger, danger, danger. We need both. But some women, their metabolism is really riding the brakes. And unless you look at the reverse T3 and you see the ratio between those two hormones, you can't decipher whether or not you're riding the brakes all the time. So again, it's, it's having that whole picture so you can put the pieces of the puzzle together and make some assumptions about what might be going on, what might be triggering everything. And of course, how to dose and medicate properly as well. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Because in the case of reverse T3, if you're someone like if you have a chronic illness or you've got a lot of chronic stress in your life and some food sensitivities and gut infections and you know, like who doesn't have that, right? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you've got all that and your body is converting most of your T4 into reverse T3, then you can throw 
tons of T4 medication at the problem, and you may never get the benefits of your T4-only medication because it's converting it to reverse T3 and slamming on the brakes, right? So you really need that all of that data. So not only can you get the right dose, but you can assess, is T4-only medication really the right way for me to go, or should I be getting actually some actual T3 in there too because I had this conversion issue? Yeah, correct. So my, I have all, I'm like, oh, we could talk about medication, all these other avenues, but I want to focus yeah. on the labs and go back to the antibodies because this is a huge one that pretty much from what I've seen, none of my clients, doctors know to even pull it in. I have to request, ask them to request yeah. it. So, so why do yeah, you find too. antibodies so important? Well, so the research tells us that the majority of hypothyroid patients in this country have Hashimoto's. Okay, maybe anywhere up to 90% of hypothyroid diagnoses are actually Hashimoto's. But they go undiagnosed because we don't have that antibody information, right? Mm -hmm. And part of the reason I think why that happens, and this is my opinion, I, I'm not inside a doctor's brain, but they don't have any medical intervention for elevated antibodies. I mean, if, if they do run them and your antibodies are really high, most, what most women hear is, okay, we're going to keep an eye on that. Mm -hmm. But they don't have a pill for that. They don't, they don't have a treatment. So diagnosing you with Hashimoto's doesn't really lead to an, the next best thing that they can do for you, right? It's, 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 it goes nowhere. But in the functional yeah. medicine world, it's different because we know if, you're if your antibodies are elevated, something's setting that off. It's either gluten and other food sensitivities, or it's opportunistic pathogenic bacteria in the gut. It's chronic viruses. It's heavy metals. It's right. I mean, there are a, a slew of usual suspects that we would throw into a lineup and go, okay, which one, which one is doing it? Maybe it's a couple of them. But we know enough now in functional medicine to say, okay, well, we have to look for what's triggering these antibodies. There's something we can do. Exactly. Right? And honestly, yeah. and from what I've seen um, from my own recovery and my, you know, my mm -hmm. own guinea pigging, just like you did, um, was a lot of the antibodies are being triggered from an Epstein, high Epstein-Barr infection. Epstein or yep. a Epstein-Barr reactivated infection. Yep. And so I will check my clients EBV. I'll have them. I'll, I have a list that I give my clients when we first start working. And, but it's a letter to their doctor. Cause I, you know, I, we work together with doctors, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's always antibodies, EBV antibodies. And mm -hmm. I, it, it's just a pattern I've seen of the really, 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 really high thyroid antibodies. The, the EBV antibodies will be in the 700, 600, 700s. It's yep. insane. Yep. Yeah, I see that so. too. Um, and I also see gluten antibodies super high. So, oh. and, and that's, yep. that's even with women who, who have no symptoms when they eat gluten. It's like, you know, no digestive complaints, no, nothing yeah. that they can pinpoint. They feel fine when they eat gluten. They're pretty sure that they don't have a gluten issue. Mm -hmm. But when we run the lab work, their gluten antibodies to all the different peptides are just like off the charts. 
So wow. that's another thing that we see. Um, and even in women who have been gluten-free for a long time, I'll even see that because most women who are gluten-free aren't living in a gluten-free house, so they're still getting these mm. micro-exposures. And that can set off a flare of antibodies, but you might not have any symptoms of the actual gluten exposure itself. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I'm sure you see this too in a lot of like chats of, you know, Hypo and Hashimoto group chats and stuff like on Facebook or wherever, but the first, you know, most women that are trying to help themselves, the first step they'll do is cut out gluten and they're like, oh, yeah. I feel so much better. <laughs> it's like, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's a really good point too. But I also love what you said is the whole slew of things too is the, the metal. Oh my gosh, the copper toxicity, the high mm -hmm. aluminum, the high arsenic, cadmium, the metal toxicity. Mercury, I'm, you know, mm -hmm. this is, this is a new thing that yeah. I, I'm so glad is coming out because I never heard about it. Did you ever hear about heavy metal toxicity when you were sick? You know, like. No, not in the late nineties, early thousands. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's a new thing that's coming yeah. out of how exposed mm -hmm. we are to heavy metals and the damage that they do on our bodies. And I, you know, do some particular testing too, to, sh to, to find out the levels. And it's just, that has been something for me that's been most shocking personally, yeah. you know, is the metal problem that we're all having in the metal exposure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we could save that for a whole nother podcast. Yeah, we could. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, okay. So I love that we talked about the full thyroid panel. Um, I'll list that out in the show notes so that, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you guys need to write it down and take that to your doctor, please yeah. do it. And with the, the antibodies and stress the antibodies to your doctor, no matter what, that is a huge marker. Um, so tell, let's, let's go more into the gluten, the mm -hmm. gluten connection, because I think a lot of people, this is, you know, thankfully it's something that is very trendy in the thyroid community right. of oh you got to cut out gluten oh you should cut out dairy but gluten's always the number one so yep. let's let's just break it down to the basics of why why cutting out gluten is so important okay there's three reasons one gluten causes a leaky gut in everybody you don't have to be gluten sensitive when gluten gets into the gut lining, it raises zonulin levels in the gut, and zonulin is an enzyme that regulates the tight junctions, which are these little gateways between the cells. When zonulin levels go up, those tight junctions, those gateways, get dysregulated. They become, you can think of them as, as getting stuck in the open position, and there's no gatekeeper, and everything's getting through, right? So that's leaky gut, number one thing. Second thing is that the... Lectin of wheat, which is wheat germ, wheat germaglutinin, it's also really destructive to the gut lining. It itself can cause leaky gut, but it's also really good at getting through the gut lining. And when it does, it can go to practically any tissue in the body. Um, in fact, of all the plant lectins, the wheat lectin is the most destructive because it can dock into cell receptors pretty much anywhere. But it has a real affinity for the thyroid. 
So it goes to the thyroid gland. It sticks to the thyroid gland. The immune system sees it and goes, you don't belong there, bang, 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 and starts to go after that lectin. And then the surrounding thyroid tissue gets destroyed in the process. That's what's known as autoimmunity by collateral damage. The third reason is because part of the gluten protein has what we call molecular mimicry with thyroid tissue, meaning they look so much alike in protein structure that the immune system makes a mistake. And if it's already on alert because it's identified gluten as a bad guy and it's on patrol and it sees your thyroid tissue, it goes, oh, boom, that's gluten. And it just makes that mistake, mistaken identity and it tags that piece of thyroid tissue as if it's gluten. So now it's actively going after your thyroid because it thinks it's going after gluten. So that's um, autoimmunity by molecular mimicry. So, okay, so the molecular, yeah. oh, sorry. No, go ahead. The molecular mimicry, mm -hmm. do you believe that this goes back to the, to Monsanto changing and the, the GMOs? what Monsanto's done to the seeds, to the crops, and how they've genetically modified yeah. that particular seed, those crops. Yeah, I don't know if it's a Monsanto. I don't know. Because when you, when you think about the gluten protein, it's really big and clunky. And when we break that protein up into all of its little bits and pieces, which are called peptides, you got a, you have a lot of different, very specific, small proteins that are more exact, more precise. Um, it's the smaller aspects of the gluten protein that have that molecular mimicry with thyroid tissue. So I don't know if it's just always been there, but you know maybe it wasn't until um, gluten became so insidious in the food supply. It's really everywhere. Um, maybe it has something to do with, was it, is, was it in the 1930s or 40s when they kind of changed, uh, they, they came up with a wheat hybrid that, that um, increased the yield of wheat and it actually increased the gluten content of wheat. Maybe that's when it started. Um, maybe the Monsanto thing was just the icing on the cake that just made mm -hmm. the wheels fall off every bus in town. I don't know. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Probably. I don't know. Probably a layered. It's yeah. I, it's probably yeah. been layered because it has been getting changed. Because, you know, it, I always just want to go back to like, two generations ago, this wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. Right. My grandma never talked about being gluten free. Right. You know, but yeah. it started in the middle of my mom's life, and it definitely yeah. bled into my life. You know, so what did they do to the crops? You know, so yeah, there's been some hybrids and there's been genetically mm -hmm. changing, but regardless of where it came from, because you know, we're we love always knowing the root causes and the backstories and right. everything. <laughs> um, right. It's just it's just a problem. It's a problem yeah. for our bodies. It's a problem, um, and so we. And have statistically to speaking, anyone with a thyroid issue, whether or not you have Hashimoto's. I mean, unless you want to roll the dice and, and, and bet on the fact that you're that one unicorn who can get away with eating gluten and have absolutely no health issues for your thyroid function, um, it, it's not a safe bet to make. 
So that's yeah. why most functional practitioners say that is the first thing you have to do. And, and what I usually tell people is if you're not going to do that, don't waste your money on a bunch of supplements and detoxes and all of these other, you know, quick fixes or even long-term super expensive fixes. If you're still eating gluten, just, just don't waste your money. Just, you know, you have to do that first critical step. Otherwise, everything else you do is pretty much wasted effort. Yeah, because there's, you know, the diet is the foundation. That's yes, where your health begins or mm -hmm. ends, and it's up mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. yep. And the first thing a lot of us have to do is just go through a grieving period yeah. that we're not going to be able to eat regular pizza anymore. Yep. And then you've got to suck it up and realize there's some pretty badass gluten-free pizza out there. There's and some really good to go, stuff. You're not yeah. going to go without. When, yeah. she, when she was sick in 97 and I was sick in 2009, there was nothing. It there was, was soy. Nothing. Your options mm -hmm. were corn and soy. Yeah. And that <laughs> so brings now, us to the other problem because gluten has a cross-reactive property to other foods. Cow dairy, corn, rice, millet, yeast, oats, all of these foods can potentially cross-react so your immune system can make can mistake one for the other. So if you spend tons of effort going gluten-free and getting it out of your house, that's great. But if your immune system is mistaking corn or rice for gluten and you're still consuming those foods, you're not going to feel better. Right? Your, your, your health is not going to improve the way you expect it to. And then when that happens, most women end up saying, oh, well, Gluten can't be my issue because I went gluten-free and it didn't change anything. But when we run the lab work, we find out, oh, you're cross-reactive with corn. Oh, you're cross-reactive with cow dairy. Those are your other two things that you have to eliminate too. So it's not just about the gluten. There's ripple effects that go out from there. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that. And most people have freak-out points right about now because they're like, you're going to yes. take away my cheese too. You're That's mm -hmm. what I always say. You're going to take away my cheese. You're going to take away my dairy and you know we're all very connected to our food and I love eating too and yeah. I love that you said that about dairy because I actually reacted to dairy first mm -hmm. and then about two years after I realized holy cow when I eat you know anything dairy-based I had congestion puffy yeah. eyes congestion in my throat I was coughing it was gross I it was I did not feel well I feel like I had a head cold and stuff and so I cut mm -hmm. that out first felt better then started reacting to the gluten cut that out for, felt better then started reacting to the corn cut that out felt better <laughs> yeah. then started reacting yeah. you know and so um part okay so just so everyone knows so you're not like holy cow I have to eliminate all these foods and go and freak out mm -hmm. two things to this okay there's two important things that I've learned about this number one Yes, gluten and dairy are probably going to be something you have to say goodbye to forever. But there are fantastic alternatives nowadays. Yeah. Fantastic alternatives. I still eat yeah. cheese. I still eat nachos. I still eat pizza. I still enjoy almond milk and coconut milk. And I eat ice cream. You know, like, I do not feel like I'm in lack, period, at all. Right. 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 And number two yeah. is some of the problems with the reactions is because your stomach's messed up and you have low stomach acids, low stomach blends, and you can actually work on fixing those and bring some foods back. 
So yeah, some things we can't bring back, and mm -hmm. and also, you know, eliminating all of those things can be super stressful. So I don't ever want to tell anyone from the get go, oh yeah, you got to get rid of all of those cross reactive foods. No, let's test you. There are really good peptide-based tests that we can run, and we can see, okay, is, is corn okay for your immune system? Is cow dairy okay? Is, is rice okay? We can take a look at that. So you don't have to just go through this whole restrictive elimination diet. You can actually get the data that's specific to you so you can make the right choices for your immune system. And, and also, when it comes to dairy, just because you might have to give up cow dairy, doesn't mean you're going to have to give up goat dairy. I still eat goat cheese, yeah. sheep cheese, mm -hmm. and my immune system is fine with that, right? Mm -hmm. So there is life after cow dairy, for sure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> There's lots of life after cow yeah. dairy. Yeah. Like, have you had cashew almond, like cashew-based um, ice cream from So Delicious? Oh. oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah. it's divine. Honestly, I think it's more creamy yeah. and more amazing than, like, regular ice cream personally so yeah yeah cashew, exactly. cashew ice cream is good yeah yeah seriously good um so yeah it, uh, thank you for saying that there is a lot of things a lot of ways to test yourself and and find the answers without mm -hmm. going through all the miserable eliminations and feeling like all you can eat is a banana if right yeah um all right. I was just checking the time. Cool. So um, let's move on to, uh, like you were saying earlier, that a lot of women that are diagnosed with hypo are actually Hashis, but the antibodies aren't checked and there's some real disconnect there in the mainstream yeah. system. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about that because I'll actually have people say, in a, you know, they, they're confused. Well, I have hypo, but I think I have Hashi's. I don't know. And like, there's still a disconnect between like, what are, what are the differences and yeah. how can I tell? And so let's, let's just dive into that a little more. Sure. Well, technically hypothyroidism is just low thyroid hormone, down-regulated thyroid function. Um, the most common reasons for that are nutrient deficiencies Right, chronic stress, like so, dis dysregulation of your hypothalamus um, um, pituitary adrenal axis, the, the adrenal system. Right, if, if you've been living a life of chronic stress and your adrenals are kind of messed up, well, that has a spillover effect on thyroid function. It can actually interfere with hormone production. It can um, make it harder for thyroid hormone to get into the cells. So. Those are things that, that you can correct. You can correct the nutrient deficiencies. You can correct the adrenal function and kind of restore that. And then the thyroid comes back online. So that's that traditional common um, construct of hypothyroidism. Hashimoto's is different. Hashimoto's is your immune system is attacking your thyroid gland. It's destroying tissue at an accelerated rate. That is a completely different animal. And what that usually means is that, yeah, there can still be nutrient deficiencies. Yes, there can still be adrenal dysfunction. But deeper than that, and, and more importantly, there can be these underlying triggers, the leaky gut, the gluten, the heavy metals, the chronic viral infections and parasites and stuff like that, right? Those yeah. could be triggering that process. 
So does it really matter, though, from a clinical standpoint, what the diagnosis is? Well, <clears throat> when I work with clients, even if we don't have a Hashimoto's diagnosis to work from, I develop protocols with the underlying assumption that statistically speaking, chances are they have Hashimoto's. So I'm going to act as if. I'm always going to address supporting and, um, and dealing with immune modulation and interfering with certain immune pathways that promote inflammatory responses. I'm always going to behave as if they have Hashimoto's because if I do that, they have better outcomes, just the way it is. So I don't think there's really, a, a, I don't think it's super important that you spend a long time trying to get the right diagnosis. I think what's more important is that you're working with a practitioner that understands the different approach with Hashimoto's and, auto, and any autoimmune disease rather than your general hypothyroidism so that they can implement that approach in a full-throated way to increase your chances of healing. Right. So one of the first thing you said that I really loved, that I need and want people to understand, is the adrenals. So did yeah. you hear what she said? Your adrenals are suffering, which bring mm -hmm. down the function of your thyroid. Okay, yep. in mainstream rhetoric, it's always just your thyroid is low, mm -hmm. just your thyroid is not working. The adrenal factor isn't being brought in. Right. But this is something that I'm trying to teach, and I, I love that you're teaching it too, is that they're, the way I look at it is I'm like, they're best friends. The adrenals and yep. the thyroid, they're besties. And they're yep. holding hands, and they're they're skipping and they work together but when one goes down the other goes down yes and so you have to you have to restore them simul simultaneously or like you said as you start restoring mm -hmm. the adrenals it'll it'll bump up the thyroid as well okay. so do you have anything else you want to build on that yeah just something to remember is that um like we were saying in the beginning you know that that tsh is that signal from the pituitary to the thyroid. Well, this all starts in the hypothalamus. So the hypothalamus sends signals to the pituitary gland. The pituitary gland sends signals to the adrenals and to the thyroid. And if that communication pattern or communication system that's happening on that adrenal tract, if that is in a state of chronic stress where it's pumping out a lot of stress hormones, it down-regulates the communication between the hypothalamus and the pituitary and the thyroid. It's just, it just quiets all that noise. And so what that means is your TSH signal goes down. Your thyroid starts to produce less hormones. And your cells become less sensitive to the thyroid hormone. And it's not because there's anything wrong with your thyroid. It's because your adrenal communication system is on high alert and then all those communicators are screaming so loud and they're not paying attention over here because that's not the problem right now. They're trying to stay alive. They're, they're in a state of fight or flight chronic stress. So your, that, that whole communication system, the HPA and the HPT axis, they're like parallel tracks, right? Running right next to each other. Like you said, they're besties. Mm -hmm. But when one is in overdrive, 
the other one is kind of just going, okay, well, someone will pay attention to me sometime, right? But not right now because something's going on over here that's really serious. So they, they just have that spillover effect. And then what happens when that, when that HPT axis, when the thyroid system kind of goes down, that has now a spillover effect into the adrenals. And it becomes this vicious cycle, the self-perpetuating cycle of dysfunction. So, yeah, you have to tug on both of those threads at the same time, the adrenals mm -hmm. and the thyroid. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And as you know, it, it is just normal for everyone to be living in a high state of stress, which causes yeah. our adrenals to overpump. And we also, everyone's dealing with a lot of fatigue. So they mm -hmm. resort to the caffeine. The mm -hmm. caffeine makes the adrenals overpump. Yeah. So it's just this constant state, like you said, of the overpumping. So one of the, my favorite ways that I learned to help support my adrenal gland from that constant, state of freak out and over pumping is by using ashwagandha yeah i love ashwagandha yeah. it just chills <laughs> it chills yeah, you it out it, yeah. it, it just regulates your adrenals um so you're not just like ah! <laughs> and i've i felt a big difference for myself mm -hmm. and I've also seen an improvement on my tests of my adrenal yeah. function as well since I started using ashwagandha as a stress buffer yes and I I use it as like a tincture that I just squirt in my mouth a couple of times a day whether I'm feeling stressed or not because sometimes we don't realize when our adrenals are just mm -hmm. going you know yeah and um I've rec I've recommended that to a couple of my friends who have have very have very stressful jobs, and they say the same thing of like, "Wow, that just helped me feel so much better." Such an yeah. easy, easy little thing. It is, uh, and ashwagandha also promotes the production of T four, so it's it's good for the thyroid too. Mm -hmm. So it's great. Yeah, it's yeah. greater. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, okay. I love that breakdown. Thank you for that like detailed breakdown sure. between the di difference of hypo and Hashi's, but I forget the exact way you want it. You said it with the Hashimoto's. I want to just clarify this because I feel like there's this, there's this fear when people hear my body's attacking myself my body's attacking my thyroid. You know, it's a very scary thought, mm -hmm. which sets our adrenals, <laughs> you know, going, yeah, um, yeah. fight or flight. Yeah. And so, so what you said was our body's attacking itself, but you've already stated twice now that there's usually all these underlying reasons why this is happening. Yeah. So is it really the word, the verbiage, my body's attacking itself, or is it really attacking all of those underlying reasons that it's going after with the, the gluten mimicry and all of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's, it's, um, it comes from a place of the immune system trying to keep you safe, trying to keep us safe. Right. And so, yeah, when these underlying triggers start to disrupt immune system function and become kind of set the immune system on this five, five alarm fire, um, you know, track, then, yeah, all those mistakes can get made and the immune system will then start to go after different organs and tissues that look a lot like 
um, these triggers um, or go after the lectins that are attached to these tissues and organs because they're trying to destroy the lectin. So, so yeah, it's, it's not like you're being betrayed by your body, though I, I understand as someone with four, who's been diagnosed with four autoimmune diseases, it can certainly feel that way. Yeah. But that's not what the body's doing. The body is doing, is using all of its resources to trying to keep, trying to keep you safe and healthy and keep you moving forward. It's just that, that these things that get in the way, like the gluten and the, and, and the viruses and all of those things, Mm-hmm. We're so we're so oblivious to them most of the time. Mm-hmm. The immune system kind of knows what's going on, mm-hmm. right? But we're not aware that there's a battle. Mm-hmm. So for most women, they're not aware that for a decade there's been a battle raging in their body until they get this diagnosis of and that's an end-stage disease diagnosis. You're not going to get a diagnosis of celiac disease or Hashimoto's until there's enough tissue destruction. That, that the evidence is just, you know, you, you can't, you can't, you know, reject that evidence. It's, it's very obvious. So, yeah. So that's why functional medicine is so important. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, working, waiting for diagnosis is really not the best strategy. You know, let's, let's change the, the paradigm of how we go about managing our health and maybe look at our, our parents and our health history and, you know, our family history and go, hey, there's all of these things going on in my family. I want my life to be different than that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to work with a functional nutrition practitioner. I'm going to work with a naturopath. I'm going to work with someone who is grounded in root cause um, healing and knows how to assess all of those underlying systems, get a baseline, see if there's anything going on that hasn't really manifested in symptoms yet, but I want to catch it before it starts manifesting in symptoms. I mean, that's that's kind of my dream. I I, I wish that all medicine was like that, right? right? Oh my yeah. gosh! Well, you know what? <laughs> there is a movement right now, and I know that women like you and I, because I'm I meet a lot of coaches all the time, and there is a movement of women that we're rising up to save the women of this world because the medical system is failing. And everyone is sick and suffering yeah. and just being managed. And they and women want to get better. They don't yeah. want to feel like crap every day. And they're like, okay, yeah. this isn't working. What else do I do? So yeah. I want to go back to what you said because you struck a chord with me. Because when I was sick for a decade myself, I remember when I heard that diagnosis of autoimmune, my body's tagging itself. When I when I pulled my MTHFR and saw my gene was mutated, I had all these different things happen. My mom got diagnosed with thyroid, my, you know, thyroid issues, my, my aunt, my cousins, it was just felt like this wave going through my life Mm -hmm. of everyone having this. And I felt defective. I felt like my genes were defective. I felt like my family was defective. I felt icky and I hated myself because I was like, I'm just effective, you know, and I'm doomed. And I remember that was when I hit my lowest and I gave up hope. And I was like, this is in my family. It's in my genes. I'm faulty. I'm defective. My body betrayed me. I'm done. And Mm -hmm. I just, I gave up and I was like, okay, fine. Then I'm just going to be sick and I'm going to die. That's my dude. That's my genetic disposition, you know? And it was so freaking depressing. So 
one of the things that I love that you said is that there will be things in the tissues that your immune system knows is there, that it's attacking. Like you said that you don't even know exists. The majority mm -hmm. of women that I test for Epstein-Barr and their antibodies are off the freaking charts. They don't even know they have it. They've never had mono. They never, right. you know, it was like, oh shit, I got this virus in my body. Where did this come from? You've probably, it, you could have been born with it or even caught it in daycare as a kid, you know? It, right. So, and so for me on my personal journey, when I found out I had a serious Epstein-Barr infection and that it was probably in my tissues and that's what my immune system was fighting at protecting me, like you said, because yeah. it loves me. It doesn't try right. hate my guts and my immune system doesn't right. hate me and it's not trying to take me down. It actually loves the shit out of me and it wants to protect me. And yes. so that when I finally shifted that perspective, I could let go of that self-hatred that was so destructive yeah. spiritually, you know? Yeah, it is. So, and it's also destructive to all of the cells that are trying so hard to do what's best for you because our thoughts and our feelings communicate directly with every single cell in our body, every tissue. So if we're sending these low frequency vibration thoughts and all of this negativity into our body, it's really hard for those cells to like have the motivation to be on the top of their game. I mean, everything starts to kind of harmonize at that low frequency. And I'm not trying to sound woo woo or anything. I mean, that's just, that's the foundation of Chinese medicine. Everything has its own frequency of chi. You know, liver chi is different than spleen chi. It's different than heart chi, and it vibrates at a different frequency. But it's all a symphony. It's all a harmony. And and I firmly believe that every cell in our body is listening to everything. It's picking up on everything that we're thinking, everything that we're feeling. So it's really important to, I think you know, work, and, but I don't want to make people feel crappy because they feel crappy, right? I mean, that's, it's, yeah. it's, it's true that, that you're going to, you're going to go through these, these times of feeling depressed and hopeless. And, but that's why it's really important to have someone in your corner yeah. who's been where you are and can, can reassure you, reaffirm for you that this too will pass. Mm -hmm. And there is this glorious future awaiting you. And it's okay if you don't believe right now because I got you. You know, I was really fortunate that I found a naturopathic physician early on in my healing that was just so down with being a part of that vision and to be with me every step of the way. Of the way. And she was like, hey, I don't know all the answers, but we're going to keep working this and figure this out together. That was so huge for me to have someone like that in my corner. Um, so if you don't have someone like that in your corner, if you're listening and you want that kind of a person, know that we're out there. Okay. Yeah. And, and there are plenty of functional practitioners out there. There are naturopathic physicians who, who are hungry and willing to work with people that want to be on that kind of path. So, um, you don't have to be alone. Absolutely. And that was why. That right there is why I started my podcast, Thursday Thyroid Talks, mm -hmm. because I will never forget when I was bedridden, taken out on disability, mm -hmm. and I just laid in bed having panic attacks all by myself. <laughs> I just <laughs> laid there having panic attacks because yeah. my system was just freaking out. Yeah. And 
I just sobbed because I had no one to talk to. No one. I felt so mm -hmm. alone and women still feel alone. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. They still feel alone. With yeah. all of this connection we have, you think like, how is that possible? They do. But yeah. I love that you said that you don't have to feel alone. There are women out there that want to support you and help you. Um, yeah. So we had a question of where are each of you located? Where do you work from? Ooh. So I'll let you answer that one. Sure. Um, I'm in Tucson, Arizona, but I work virtually. So my clients are all over the U.S. And I do a lot of lab testing. Everything is done through the mail. Um, I order everything for my clients. They go to their local labs for blood draws, things like that. Um, I have unlimited Zoom sessions with my clients. I firmly believe that if you're gonna, if you're gonna work with a health coach, work with someone who gives as much access as you need. Um, that's that's one. I think failing in the health coaching industry is that a lot of pro programs boil down to so many sessions spaced out at regular intervals. Well, we all know that you can't plan crisis. Anyone with, with a complicated health issue knows that sometimes you, you get into your deepest, darkest places and you don't, you're not able to wait a week to talk to your health coach, right? So, um, so I take a really intensive approach with my clients, but long, long short, you can find me on Whitney Morgan Nutrition on Instagram, on Facebook, on, um, that's where my website is, Whitney Morgan Nutrition. And I work with anyone in the U.S. I love that. Yeah, I love that. And where are you? So I'm in Utah. Oh, yeah. Great. I just moved two weeks ago, so it's weird to say wow. that. <laughs> so I was in San Diego my whole life. Um, but I just moved to Utah. And um, I'm so same as you. I, I work virtually. Mm -hmm. And yeah, majority of my clients are all usually in California, which was interesting, but all over mm -hmm. the U.S. I have a lot of Texas girls, too. I love it. So, um, yeah, so everything's virtual. Um, I'm, you guys obviously see me here on Instagram. And but I'm going to just keep it at what Whitney had to say and, and leave the spotlight on her because this is her time. So uh, I so think the takeaway your... is that is that um, in this world of connectivity where we where a lot of us do have these virtual practices, that's just another reason why women don't have to feel alone, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't matter where you live. There, there, there's someone somewhere um, who, who you can connect with, who you have chemistry with as a practitioner that can be available to you because so many practitioners work on a virtual basis. Yeah. I mean, definitely COVID brought that in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> And which is nice. Yeah, because we all, you know, you're no, you're no longer forced to just your local community. Because I remember living in some towns where I didn't really have great local physicians. And right. the online thing didn't exist then. So right. yeah, this has been a this has been a big blessing for uh, moving, moving, moving the health forward for sure. Absolutely. Um, so we gotta, we're going to wrap it up now. Let's um, end it on an amazing, positive, uplifting message. So if you could say one thing to our beautiful thyroid community, what would you say? I would say for every woman or, or man, so I, we keep saying women, but, but it's not just women. Um, 
find one thing that fills you with joy and make sure you do that every day. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be gardening. It could be playing with your grandchildren. For me, it's dancing. I'm, I'm into Argentine, Argentine tango and other forms of dance. So that's just the way I know I can spontaneously fill my body with joy just doing that. So find that one thing because those small pockets of joy are so important for your healing journey. Oh, I love that so much. And I agree 10,000%. <laughs> Thank you so much. It has been absolutely amazing meeting you. I feel like I just Thank gained you. a new friend today and colleague. And yeah. yeah, thank you for this wonderful yeah. talk. Um, thank you guys all for joining. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your follows. We appreciate you all. And we, we are both sending you so much love and light. Mm -hmm. Have a good rest yeah. of your day. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today, you guys. And if you found this episode valuable, please leave a comment below. I know my guest speaker and I would love to hear any feedback or aha moments you had that were impactful. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend or family member who may also be suffering from a thyroid condition and is looking for some help. And if you'd ever like to see these episodes live, you can catch the replay on my YouTube page, Coach, Coach Sarah Joy. And if you are interested in being featured as my thyroid warrior of the week, in this series, please DM me on Instagram at coach.sarah.joy anytime so we can get you booked on my calendar. Thank you guys again so much for listening. Have a great day. Bye.